Hello everyone and welcome. My name is Adana Sue and you are listening to What Dreams Are Made Of, a podcast series designed to help you connect to your dreams in the world that we live in today. In today's episode, I speak to the wonderful Jane Teresa Anderson, who is a very, very special guest on this podcast, and I'm about to tell you why. Jane has mentored me this year throughout this project process, and I really could not have asked for a better mentor. I lacked out. Jane is an amazing wealth of knowledge, and I've absolutely loved working with her this year. She's an accomplished dream analyst and has written seven books on the topic. The Dream Show is a podcast series that she hosts where she helps people to break down their dreams and understand them better. She has her own online course where she teaches people how to interpret their dreams using her own method. Her approach to dream work is based on both art and science. From her own research and work with clients for over 30 years now, Jane's website and contact details will be linked in the show notes below. In this episode, we go right back to basics and we break down what dreams actually are and how Jane uses them in terms of dream analysis and interpretation. So I reckon we jump straight into it. Enjoy! Jane to the show. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Adana. It's lovely to be here for you and with you. Yeah, it feels like a big momentous occasion. It's nice. <laughs> it is. Great yeah. momentous occasion. Oh, Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I suppose I should just jump straight in with my questions. So my first question for you, Jane, is what are dreams and why are we having dreams? So dreams are the experiences that we have when our dreaming brain or our dreaming mind is processing our recent experiences. So the way that it works is as we go to sleep, about an hour and a half in to our sleep, our brain or our mind starts processing both our conscious and our unconscious experiences of the last one to two days. And then whatever came up, it sometimes compares that to similar events in the past And the whole idea is that you wake up with an updated mindset. So you wake up, okay, I've processed these recent events. I've compared them to similar things in the past. And now I've got a a better head. I've got a better handle. I've adjusted my mindset a bit. When I wake up in the morning, things are going to be easier or my perspective is going to be shifted. So while all that is happening in your brain or in your mind, it triggers the areas of your brain that would normally see. So for example, if you are seeing something in your dream, it will be the visual area of your brain that lights up and gets busy. If you're hearing something in your dream, it will be the the auditory area of your brain that lights up and get busy and so on. So actually, as far as your brain is concerned, this is real life, which is why our Mm. dreams seem so real. So our dreams are the experiences that we have while all that processing is going on. That's amazing. It's such a um it's such a fascinating concept and I think that it's it's interesting how we all have our different kind of definitions and understandings of you know what dreams actually are and I'm, I'm really glad that I can have your 
you know, professional perspective. It's really nice. <laughs> so you're a dream analyst and interpreter and you've worked with dreams for a long time. So I was just wondering, how did you come to doing what you do? And kind of, yeah, do you want to talk into, you know, the dream work? Yes, yeah. I if I if I think this far down the path and I look back over my life. I can see, well, look, like many children, I had a lot of vivid dreams, but I was really excited about mine. And I couldn't get enough people to talk to about them. And most people weren't really that interested. So it's kind of always been there as something that's really excited me and it's been there throughout my entire life. So if I look back that far, it was probably a sort of passion that I had. But I took a different route. I went to university and I studied science. And in my honours year, I I was doing zoology. And in my honours year, I specialised in uh, neurodevelopmental biology. So how in an embryo, the nerves develop and connect to the brain. So in a way, I was already interested in how is it that our nerves tell us about what we can see, hear, taste, smell? Mm. How is it that our brain interprets all of that? I was in that kind of area. But it was still a few years on and it basically happened over a period of a few weeks where I realized that quite a few people just happened to mention their dreams to me. And I just happened to think, I have a good feeling for what that dream means and I wonder why you don't. (laughs) Being the scientist, I um, really started by getting a few hundred people involved and getting them to fill in questionnaires. I did a survey with them, and I started to correlate what was actually happening for them in their waking life and Mm. what was happening in their dreams and put two and two together. Shortly after that, I had my first book published by Angus and Robertson in Australia, and it all started from there. Amazing. And now you've written seven books, which I think is incredible. Um, (laughs) Thank you. And a huge achievement. So what? Is your kind of process when you say that, you know, you can understand someone's dream, what's the first thing you kind of do to break that down for them? It's, um, I definitely don't use a dream dictionary. You can't do no. that. <laughs> Everybody's symbols and what goes on in their dreams comes from their own unconscious mind yeah. and their own personal experiences. So you have to kind of find a window into that. And I guess, you know, some people might say, well, if your dream is processing your recent experiences, why? doesn't it look like your recent experiences Mm. and the reason is because the part of your brain that is more involved in logic and sorting out and Mm. um, ethics and morals and Mm. judgment is really asleep so it's left to the rest of your brain to kind of paint a picture of what it is you're processing so this is partly an answer to your question as the dream analyst you have to come in and say okay this doesn't look like the person's life how do I get clues from the brain or the mind painting a kind of amazing surreal picture how do I work back from that to this person's mindset so there are lots of different techniques and one of the main ones I use to start with is to stand a very long way back from the dream and kind of summarize it in a simple sentence so Mm. say for example a a simple sentence that is a bit vague so for Mm. example if someone's having a long complicated dream about driving their car and uh, not being able to find where they're going to and keep going down roads that have got blocks in them and and just not getting there and the time's running out, I might stand back from that dream and say in one simple sentence, I'm trying to get somewhere, but I keep getting blocked. And then you say to the person, forget about cars. Mm. In the last couple of days, have you had the feeling that you're trying to get somewhere 
in life somewhere, but you keep getting blocked. And usually yeah. they say, yes, uh, yeah, I've got that. And then you start from there. So there are other techniques that you can bring in, lots and lots of them to start to look at that dream. And another way of looking at it is to say uh, that a dream is really a metaphor or an analogy for what's going on in your life, because that's the best tools, the brain, what, what is alive, what is awake about the brain while you're dreaming. That's mm. the best tools they've got to kind of paint a picture in a metaphoric, uh, allegorical way. So yeah. you work backwards from there. But ultimately, I apply lots of tools and techniques. And if I'm working with a person over Zoom, I ask appropriate questions and we explore the dream together. And then at the end of the day, you're looking into the dream to say, look, this is how your mindset is processing your experiences. This is why you're experiencing life in the way that you do. Mm. If you'd like a different life experiences experience, what is it about your mindset that's in the way of that? And then we wow. work into that to help the person make mindset changes that change the way that they experience and, and process and react to life. That's incredible. It's such an internal kind of process and for you to be able to delve in there and you know open it all up and rewire these habitual thinking patterns and and things I think that that's amazing yeah, yeah. thank you well I mean I've got 30 odd years of practice behind me but <laughs> I do teach people the basic um, tools and techniques so that they can do this for their own dreams and help other people with theirs. So once you've got those tools at your fingertips, it's not quite as mystical and magical as it looks. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's special when you can kind of decode that and get it to a place where it's accessible and kind of digestible for everyone. Yes. Um, and, yeah, that's what's so interesting about you, you know, with your, your courses, your Dream Academy course and, yeah, do you want to kind of speak into your process in creating that? And yeah, what was your intention in your yeah? It started um, I guess, you know, there's only so many people in the world can afford to sit down and have one-on-one -on -one consultations. Yeah. There's only so many hours in a day that I have got to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> and ultimately, you know, it comes down to you're probably giving your best work to the world if you give people the tools and techniques for them to be able to do things themselves. Yeah. So the Dream Academy, the online learning platform, started from two angles. One was that to give every people, everyday people, there's still there still was a cost, but not as high as the cost of seeing me individually, yeah. to learn the tools and techniques and be able to use those to apply them to every single dream they have. Mm. At the other end of the scale, I've got courses there, which are for people who are uh, therapists in other areas of um, of the mind or the mm. body or the body mind, to be able to learn from me the techniques that I use in helping people with dream therapy. Mm. So again, you know, I I hope I'm here for another 30 years, but I might not be. Who, who knows how long I'll be around? But surely the idea is always to pass on your knowledge and your um, your techniques and tools to other people so that they can. So the more people that can study with me, I feel each of those people can go out and help people and help people and help people. So to answer your basic question, my, my um, motivation behind it was mm. to multiply the number of people that can have these tools and techniques in their hands and use them and why use them so that we can all become uh, better adjusted at how to move through the world in better ways that ultimately I hope lead to um, more people being understanding of other people and where they're coming from mm. and uh, yeah it's living a better life it's so so profound 
that was actually my next question. You know, why why do you think dream therapy or you know decoding our dreams can help us as human beings? But yeah, well, I'll add a little bit more to that, Adana. So it helps us as human beings because we all walk around um, until we've done a lot of this kind of deep work. We walk around really with. Um, you know, that small five to 10% of our mind, which is our conscious mind. Mm. And that's how we look at life. That's how we respond in life. That's how we deal with life. But the greater part of us and people put a figure on it and I don't know how they come up with it, but let's say it's people say 70 to 95% of your mind is unconscious. It is a lot of your self is unconscious. And in everyday life, when we um, judge people or we respond to situations it's often not our conscious mind that's doing that it's our unconscious programming mm. all we can understand through our dreams our unconscious programming or our unconscious beliefs or unconscious limitations our unconscious judgments and mm. views yeah. the more we can be kinder to ourselves and uh and change those views but the more we can also be kinder to other people because we're all very similar we've all got these dark unconscious bits so um so yes it's about being able to look at your mind to understand yourself more Mm. deeply so that you can make better choices in life and and help other people to do the same it's so important i think things like this it's just these are the life lessons that we should all have access to it's, it's so i'm so happy that you know we can bring this to the world and show people that this is out there for you it's, it's waiting like you just have to open the door do a bit of exploring and you know you can conquer your your brain you know yes. to break down kind of for the listeners for a simple definition of the unconscious mind would be would be great because yeah so um you know it's just semantics it's just words we all choose and a lot of people talk about the subconscious and other people talk about the unconscious i like to keep it really simple mm. because it's simple is best when you're trying to work with complicated things Absolutely. so i just say there's what you know about and that's conscious mm. and there's what you don't know about and that's unconscious <laughs> But when I say don't know about, so it can be, you know, I'm talking with you on the podcast Mm. and maybe there's something happening to the side. There isn't. I can look. There's actually nothing happening there. But if I were in a bigger room and there were people here, which, of course, there aren't, Mm. I might be half hearing conversations. I might be half seeing things. Mm. But because it's really important to me to concentrate on you and what you're asking me and have this conversation, I'm consciously aware of all of that, but unconsciously. Mm. It's all going in. It's all in there. And so that becomes packed away in my unconscious mind. So every day we have all these unconscious experiences that we actually didn't know about. Now, another thing that can happen with your unconscious mind is that any experience that we have that we really didn't like, we're likely to push that down. Oh, mm. I know that, that was awful. I'm going to forget that. Oh, no, that's terrible. I can't possibly be in contact with that. You don't, we don't push it out into the world. We push it down in within ourselves. And that goes into our unconscious mind. We make it unconscious because we don't want to be conscious of it. Mm. All of those things that we push down that actually have huge power in everyday life to actually influence what we do because we haven't dealt with them. They might be issues we don't see properly, strange perspectives, there might be emotions that need to be healed and all those kind of things can be in our unconscious. Some people take a much bigger step and say that 
everything in the entire world is unconscious and that mm. in your dreams you might be able to access what's happening in India to somebody, you know, that there is that argument as well. Yeah. I don't go there in the work that I do. I mm. look at the individual's unconscious mind. Yeah. So what you don't know about but is influencing you nevertheless. Yeah, it's, it's like dream ingredients. Like these are the things that, you know, come up and the faces that you see and the things that you're feeling and, yeah, it's really amazing. I, I have to say, too, that the unconscious mind can have absolutely amazing things in it. So a simple mm. example of that would be someone says, oh, no, I'm not good at that. Oh, no, no, I couldn't possibly. Oh, no, 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 I don't have that talent. And all this is pushed down to the unconscious mind. And that can show up in dreams. Dreams can sometimes show you, actually, you've got this amazing ability to do this. Or what if you looked at life like this? But you go, no, no, no. And you keep pushing it down to your unconscious yeah. mind. So the unconscious mind is not all bad. Yeah. It's bad, it's good, it's everything. It's just what you're not conscious of for whatever yeah. reason. That, that kind of concept that it, you know, holds all of the suppressed feelings. I think that that, even for you to just say, you know, it's not bad. It's really breaking down that kind of preconceived idea that, you know, it's all of the things that we don't want to deal with or, you know, we want to just shove to the side. But, yeah, it, it's so important. It's all, it's all good and it's all valuable in the end that's it the more the more you know about yourself the more you understand about the world and other people as absolutely. well as yourself absolutely so as a kind of dream therapist guru amazing person <laughs> do, you, do you find that you yourself have dream problems and do you kind of solve them yourself so like anybody i dream to process whatever's been happening for me in the last couple days consciously or unconsciously in terms of um like big issues or you know recurring dreams which indicate recurring issues in your life all of that kind of stuff I have processed in the past so I tend not to have deep dark recurring dreams because I've already been there mm. however if something scary does happen then yes that will come into my dream yeah. and of course you know in, in an ideal world we're all moving out of our comfort zone every now and then and trying new things and taking on new challenges so my dreams will reflect that they reflect where I'm comfortable with that where I'm not comfortable with that so there's all of that stuff yeah. but I find um we all dream no matter no matter whether there's big stuff to process or little stuff we actually do need to physiologically dream so there are always dreams there whether or not we remember them yeah. so a lot of my dreams are often <laughs> just kind of wandering around looking at things in great detail <laughs> My dreaming mind's going, what can we process from yesterday? Well, you had a lovely time going for a walk with all those flowers in the garden. So let's Aww. kind of have that kind of experience. But um, there was something else I wanted to add triggered by your question. What was it? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you also implied, do I interpret my own dreams? So mm. what I will usually do if I wake up in the middle of the night with a particularly interesting dream is I can quite quickly go from dream to understanding what it means. Mm. And so that helps. Um, if a dream, if I wake up in the morning with a particularly stunning dream, I will often carry it with me through the day yeah. and I can work out what it means. If I do have a dream and I have difficulty with it, how I resolve it is I think, right, let's just imagine this isn't my dream. This is a, a client has come to me with this dream and then I can do it really easily yeah. because it will usually mean it's something that I don't really want to interpret. I don't want to see in my own dream. But if I treat it as someone else's, it's obvious what it means and then I can take it on board. Yeah. Yeah, that's so lovely, you know, before how you're saying in, in your dreams, you're having these, you know, lovely experiences 
walking around looking at things in detail and that you know to me really proves that when you do break down what is happening and you get to the bottom of you know what everything means and you're healing all of this past you know recurring stuff it's like dreaming can just be beautiful and wonderful and of course you know also a bit like um unpredictable and and things like that as well but yeah it just really shows the power of connecting to your dreams and to yourself it does and I love what you said there you know it, it reminded me that even when dreams are scary or frightening once you understand how to look at them those are wonderful dreams too because you wake up and you go that was really scary but this is really exciting because this is going to show me something that I really need to know that's going to make a difference in my life yeah. whereas before you've learned those tools and techniques or before you've asked someone about a dream you can be so scared about a dream that you don't want to go there you don't want to go mm. to sleep the next night in case you have more, you end up with lack of sleep, anxiety, all sorts of things happen, as opposed to actually saying, this is a fantastic opportunity to look at this, what appears to be scary dream and really find out what it's what it's about. Yeah, it's, it's all an opportunity to you know look into it and, and to get to the bottom of your, your core you know, blockages and, and things like that. So when you're working with dreams, you have a podcast, The Dream Show, um, where you talk to guests who come on and tell you their dreams. What is your kind of process in breaking things down when you're in a face-to-face combo and you're recording it? And then also afterwards, how do you leave that behind you and not carry that on your shoulders? How do you manage that? Yeah, that's a lovely question. So um, when we're doing a podcast for the dream show, I don't know the dream before the person introduces it so I'm working straight into the dream um, and and working from there when I see a person face to face I get them to send me the dream to email me the dream 24 hours beforehand so I actually work with it somewhat beforehand Mm. um, yeah uh, the only way to really get into a dream is to immerse in it so yes I am there with the person I am exploring I am feeling some of the feelings or I'm I'm exploring some of the symbols for the feelings that they might have so that I can ask the person the right questions Mm. Um, so there is some of that I'm not as involved in it as they are but I am committed to trying to see the dream and feel the dream through their eyes and senses so when I finish that I have to say you know on the whole a session will finish with us getting the positives from the dream exploration so if we've explored a really dark and difficult dream for the person Mm. we will usually end it by saying okay you've learned that there's a part of yourself that is fearful of this or that has limited beliefs about this or that Mm. you you don't like but what can we do to change that how do we reverse that how do we rewire that how do we change while we're talking here now how yeah. do we change your mindset so that you go forward you know uplifted and, and able to deal with life on a different level more positively mm. and more authentically so to be honest when I finish the session I'm often on that high with them like yes Amazing. we've sorted this out we're going <laughs> forward yeah. But then what I will do is I I take notes just for myself after Mm. a session. Nobody else sees them. They're just for me. Um, So that if I speak to the person again, I've got some touchstones and reminders about how far we've got. Mm. And then once I've done that, yes, I I, I walk away, usually go right outside, um, have some space between clients and let it all go and return to me. That's a very important part of it. I I wouldn't want to do back-to-back clients because I need to get into my own 
heads and hearts space first and then come yeah. into the next client completely fresh and able to walk through their dreams. That That's how I see it. I see that I, I walk with a person through their dream to help them to, how to see it. Yeah. I'm interested in your process of letting go. Of How do you expel that? Quickly. It's quick now that I've done it for so long. Yeah. In the old days, I would just go outside. I would take lots, you know, a specific number of deep breaths of air. Mm. I would get a feeling of like shaking off that work, not that yeah. person, not that dream, just that yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but now it, it, it's as simple as just go outside, take a few deep breaths and it's, and it's done. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it, it's so great that, you know, you can walk with that person and then at the end of it all, the journey's finished. You come to a place where you feel great, the person feels great. And, yeah, you should, you should feel that in the podcast, in, in the end of the show. It feels like a happy resolution. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in your, in your work, on your, you know, your website, you write amazing blog posts and how do you how do you feel about your kind of passion for dreams and your work colliding do you, do you still find it fun I do you know there was a time I recently passed the 30 year mark where I had wow. been doing this for 30 years and that week or was over a period of about two weeks I seem to keep talking to people either clients or people outside or reading articles about other people that said you know I've come to this milestone in my career and maybe I should leave while I'm on a high leave while yeah. I'm on top maybe it's some room for something else in my life so because this was happening all around me I did spend a couple of weeks thinking is that is, is my work done have I given everyone the tools and techniques should I be doing something else how do I feel about this and I gave it you know good space for a week and a half and I felt really low for that week and a half I thought oh. no I don't really want to give it up yeah. and so at the end of that two weeks I sort of came back I thought no I really do enjoy this now if I have um, a really full-on week if I have a week which is uh, not only doing what I would see as the joyous work of working with people and podcasts and writing, but also has the downsides of such a business, like when something goes wrong with the websites that yeah. between you and your technicians, you've got to sort out and then this happens and then that happens. And you can get to the end of the week and you go, I'm so exhausted. Like, you know, all of this maybe, you know, but when I then sit and think, well, what is it that I find tiring in my work? It's never the actual dream work. It's the things around it. Technical, so, yeah. So then I find ways to make those things around it easier or to get more people to help me with those things or to step back to make sure that I have time. But I think it's a great question, Adana, because I am very aware that the day might come when suddenly the passion disappears. Yeah. And at the moment I haven't, it hasn't. And I think the reason, I think there's two reasons for that. One is that I hope I'm always improving what I do. You know, every time I interpret or help someone with a dream, it's a new experience for me, even after all this time. So that has to make me better. It has to make me more fluent and has to make me increasingly more comfortable with what I do. Mm. So that's one aspect. And <laughs> I was, had another one, which I've completely forgotten now, because every dream is completely different. Mm. I never see the same dream twice that somebody brings me. So even if someone comes and says, oh, I have a dream where I'm losing all my teeth, which is a common dream. Yeah. I say, oh, tell me more. And their details will be completely different to anybody else's dream. So every time I come to work with someone, the dream is completely new. Mm -hmm. And that keeps firing my passion. Whereas I think 
I'm going to pick the example of a dentist. And if any dentists are listening, they're probably going to be really annoyed with me because I'm getting them wrong. <laughs> you, know, you, you might be a dentist. You might think, okay, this is the third molar I've got to take out today. I know exactly how to do this. <laughs> no, I've, oh, I've do this day in, day out for 30 mm. years, and I've got to look like I'm positive. And ha- you know, whereas yeah. I, I never get that because it's always, always, always the dream is different. Mm. The unique, the symbols are there, you know, the symbols that we might find in, say, a dream dictionary, but, you know, it's it's so individual and so unique. Um, and kind of travelling back a bit to the dream dictionary thing, we've spoken about it in our meetings. It would be nice to kind of debunk that and kind of for you to venture into why you don't personally use them. Yes. I always have to be very careful because some people have written dream dictionaries in a way that actually mm. can make them helpful. Yeah. So someone might write a dream dictionary. And see, when you publish a book and a publisher publishes it for you, it's often more the publisher's idea, not yours, what the title of the book is and what the blurb is on the back. Mm. But some people might have written a really good book that helps you to maybe say maybe you dream of water and you might look up water in the book and their book might say you know water's not the same for everyone but here are some starting points you know you might think that you might look at the water and the water might flow and you might say how does the water flow and you might say it was a raging stream you might say oh then maybe this water's about some rage I'm feeling or you might say oh that water's very calm and you might say maybe there's symbols about some calm emotion so there are ways that you could kind of talk someone through in a book while your publisher slaps the word dream dictionary on the front (laughs) (laughs) in general a dream dictionary approach does not work because every single symbol in your dream is drawn from your own unconscious mind so you know if i dream of a blue teacup I would then think back, oh, when do I remember a blue teacup in my life and something might come up why would I choose a blue teacup rather than red teacup oh well I'd much rather have a blue teacup because because what this is what your dream is about so everything's personal at the end of the day I I tend to um, so I definitely don't advocate using a dream dictionary I I advertise advocate (laughs) tools and techniques to look at a dream symbol and work out what it means for you personally Mm. but more than that you you can look at a dream and say oh this dream has lots of symbols in it or you can say this dream is a story Aren't our dreams mostly stories? Yeah. It's a story that happens to have some symbols in it. So I tend to look at the story first. This is a story where somebody is trying to get to the airport and can't get there. This mm-hmm. is a story about somebody trying to get somewhere and not being able to do it. This is a story about, and then I, so I'm looking at the story and the the dynamics of the drama and seeing where that applies in the person's life. And then I go to the symbols mm. to find out what on earth a blue teacup has got to do with <laughs> you not being able to get where you want in life. So yeah. I kind of work that way. So, and a dream dictionary, of course, doesn't do that. You just mm. look up the individual symbols. So I advocate for an entirely different approach. Look at the dream drama, the storyline first, yeah. and then the symbols. Now, the symbols can blow people away because when you and you may have heard people do it on the dream show some of the guests mm. when they really realize what a dream symbol means and they're blown away how did you pick that out you know <laughs> that that changes everything I totally see that so it does have a kind of magical amazing feeling when you work out the meaning of a dream symbol yeah. but the, the first step of um finding the 
how the dream drama correlates to a drama in your life is first, then the symbols, and neither of those can really effectively done with a dream dictionary. One last thing about dream dictionaries, you sometimes see them in bookshops. You know how after a certain period of time, I've forgotten exactly how long it is. I think it's about 50 years. That may be wrong. After 50 years, unless anybody's got the um, the copyright for the book, it can revert to general public. So any publisher can publish an old book. So you'll often see old dream dictionaries like from the 1930s or the 1950s published. <laughs> yeah. And they're absolutely garbage. You know, it'll, it'll say something like rose water. Oh, rose water means you're going to meet the man of your life tomorrow and the only thing that i can think other than the original author wanting to make a lot of money is that the the original author Mm -hmm. had worked out their personal dream symbols and it worked for them because they were theirs but they made the mistake of thinking that they applied to everybody so they wrote this amazing dream dictionary so everybody could look up their symbols never knowing that they were their own personal symbols on that line you can kind of do that for yourself once you get the hang of what some of your personal dream symbols symbols mean you can write your own personal dream dictionary except that those symbols can morph and change as you morph and change over time too yeah it's very fluid it's you know things aren't going to mean the same to you as they did maybe 10 years ago so I love that idea of making a personal dream dictionary (laughs) yes so on that how do you think we can just the listeners and the people who are just dipping their toes in the dream world, how do you think we can connect to our dreams more? Yeah, great question. One is remembering them. Yeah. (laughs) That's the first big step. So, you know, everybody dreams, but not everybody remembers their dreams. And one of the main reasons why people don't remember their dreams is that they jump out of bed too quickly in the morning or they get the phone and start scrolling. You've got to spend some time. Uh, kind of in twilight zone before you really get on with your day to allow yourself to remember your dreams yeah Mm. another reason why a lot of people don't remember their dreams is because they were told when they were children oh you don't remember that that's a terrible dream it's nonsense you know so you learn not to remember them Mm. so the first point really is to to want to remember your dreams and to give yourself 10 or 15 minutes in bed before you connect with the world literally to allow those dreams to come up and then to write them down Mm. write them down or record them on audio on your phone if you don't want to write or draw a few pictures but record them in some way so to begin with just building a relationship with your dreams of remembering them don't worry about interpreting them just say I know that my dreams are important they come from me and I want to I want to hear what me has to say yeah honor that by finding ways of writing them down and then after a period of time you become more curious and you want to then begin to look at those dreams and to find out what they mean so I would definitely um, start that way and then over a period of time look for patterns so you might notice you've got a, a theme that keeps recurring then that's the best thing to start to get help with and interpret yeah so for any listeners listening right now who may be having trouble remembering their dreams or maybe don't have that sacred 10, 15 minutes in the mornings to really let it sink in. Do you think that there's kind of tools and techniques, Jane, that people can use to prompt, you know, the memory of their dream? Yes. So um, the first one is an awful one and it's not advocated over a long period of time, but it can work if you do it for about a week, which is have like about two or three drinks of water before you go to bed. Because guess what? You're going to have to wake up to go to the bathroom. (laughs) 
And we tend to wake up just after a dream. After a dream is when we're at our most wakeful. Mm. Most likely your full bladder is going to wake you up just after a dream. So while you're walking down to the bathroom, what, what was that? And even if you can't get a whole dream, even if you just get a symbol or a small thing or a feeling, mm. when you come back to bed, write it on a bit of paper before you go back to sleep. So that's one kind of drastic way. You wouldn't want to do that over a long period of time because it's going to disturb your sleep and it's not healthy to overhydrate. Yeah. Um, then the next best thing really is to well invest in a beautiful um, dream journal that you would like to write in. Yeah. You don't have to invest a lot. You can buy any old notebook, but invest time in making a beautiful cover for it and, and having a little setup by the side of your bed. There's my dream journal. There's my special pen. Mm. This is where I'm going to record my dreams. So you've given it a special place. So that's saying, I intend to remember because look, I've got everything ready for that. And the third tip is to, if you've got to get up at a certain time, set two alarms. The second alarm is when you've got to get out of bed. Then set one for 10 or 15 minutes before that. When that first one goes off, turn it off and turn your body into the position that you think you lay in mostly when you're dreaming because it puts your whole body into the dreaming position. Mm. You don't need to worry. Your other alarm's going to go off. If you have, if you fall back to sleep, that's okay too. Like no stress, no anxiety. Mm. But if you can, just lay there and say... I'd love to remember a dream. If I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. Again, no anxiety. Just just let's see what comes up. And the more yeah. you do that, something will come up in that 15 minutes of twilight zone. And then second alarm goes off, off you go. Jot down a few notes and off you go. Yeah. I, I even tried that. After we spoke about that in our, one of our first meetings, I started doing that. And just to have that time with yourself in such a delicate mind space after you've just woken up from a dream to – be able to just sit with it and let it let it soak and just I found that for me my dreams don't come back to me like that straight away um might come with me through the day but even just starting the day with remembering a symbol or remembering a feeling or an emotion sometimes emotions are really prevalent for me like I wake up a bit teary or you know get stressed yes. my shoulders are tense um yeah it, it's really a really really great tip to remember that's great. So it's lovely. You, you've you've also reassured yeah. your listeners how well it works, which Quite is fantastic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So you're an observer of dreams through your podcast, through you know your inbox on your um, on your website. Did you notice during the pandemic that your dream input? Did anything change? Are you seeing anything different that you might notice? Yes, um, I saw a lot of a lot of well, a lot of people became more interested in their dreams. Mm. I did notice that when more great. people, yeah, contacted me and wanting to do the courses, wanting to find out more. And there are two big reasons for this. One is that during the pandemic, we didn't have to get up at a certain time, yeah. <laughs> and we and we probably weren't out late at night either, so we mm. were tending to have longer sleep. Now, in an in an eight hour sleep, if you sleep for eight hours, you have about five dreams, and the longest one is in the morning. If you only sleep for six hours, you often miss twenty to sixty percent of your dreaming time. Wow. So, for people that normally just get by with six hours, you're actually missing a lot of your dreams, which is also why you don't actually feel that good. We need mm. our dreams to help us feel good physiologically and emotionally stable as well. So during the pandemic, a lot of people were sleeping longer 
sleeping in, remembering more dreams, not having to get out of bed straight away, spending time in that twilight zone, getting curious. So there was that aspect. The other aspect, which sounds opposite, but with another aspect, was a lot of people obviously were very anxious and fearful. And so we're having really scary dreams, which is normal and natural at such a time. And those dreams are waking them up in the middle of the night. And so they were more conscious of, I keep having these bad dreams. I've got to find out what this is because A, I want to know why I'm having bad dreams. And B, I want proper sleep. I don't want to be anxious about this. People were more interested in their dreams. And a lot of the themes that I was hearing people bring to me were around the pandemic. So for example, when it first began, a lot of dreams were literally about bugs or insects or things crawling on people's skins or things getting under people's skin. And when you thought about it, you know, this is people's dreaming brains look at what a virus might look like. But they're also, when you talk about where people, a lot of people saying, it feels like something's under my skin. You might say to them, well, how many people are you in lockdown with? How many people are getting under your skin at the moment? (laughs) And a lot of people go, oh, yeah, you know, I even actually say that. This gets under my skin. And so that's another example of how the dream does a metaphor or an allegory for what's happening. So with a lot of that, one of the other big categories of dreams during the pandemic was people driving out of control cars, not being able to control their cars. Mm. And that was a feeling of people obviously thinking, I can't control my life. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I feel out of control. There were several big themes. I'll only mention one more. Themes of instability. So like the ground shaking underneath you. Walk straight, not feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. And again, that was us all um, feeling, you know, what was the big word we were all using at the time? Uncertainty. Yeah dealing with uncertainty in the dream to reflecting that. So helping people with those dreams, it was able not only to say, look, this is because of the pandemic, but it's not like this is because of the pandemic. So there you go. That's your explanation. It's it's because of the pandemic. Now let's have a look at that. Mm. How are you going to deal with uncertainty? How are you going to deal with living close to other people? How are you going to deal with feeling out of control? How does that relate to your mindset? Where in your past did these beliefs come from that these are tricky things and help people to change the way that they that they look at life? Oh, wow. A lot of people during the pandemic also, because they were more interested in their dreams, discovered amazing and beautiful things about themselves. So a lot of people discovered talents and gifts that they hadn't been using for example, ways to be more open-hearted to other people. <laughs> That's beautiful. Mm. It's nice that there's a little bit of good to come out of such a, yeah, as you said, uncertain time and to find just a little bit of <laughs> something. Yeah. And yeah, if there's anything good to come out of the pandemic, like being able to dream more, I think that that's so rare and so special. And I definitely remember having crazy vivid dreams during the pandemic. And, yeah, it's interesting how you said, your most kind of vivid dreams are in the morning. I'm definitely more of a morning sleeper. So maybe now I know why, because I'm having all these great dreams and I'm missing out. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you do in life, make sure that you have eight hours sleep, at least eight hours sleep. It can seem like you're missing out on stuff, but ultimately you're not missing out. You have everything to gain. If anything, you're missing out on your dreams if you're not sleeping for eight hours. So Yeah. yeah, do it. Set your alarm, go to bed earlier get a good night's sleep do you think that we can kind of plant a seed for a nice dream yeah absolutely Mm. so you know knowing that our dreams are processing our experiences of the last one to two days to begin with and then comparing them to the past seed your daytime with the kind of things that you want to dream about 
So some people sort of flip that around a bit and say, you know, I've got a problem in my life and I want to dream about that problem. I want to find solutions. I want to find out what's stopping me solving this problem. And they will then flip that on the head and maybe go to sleep saying uh, they might write a bit about the problem or, you know, I really want to dream about this problem and go to sleep with that as the last thing on their mind. The dream might look nothing like the problem, but when you interpret it, you can often see that it is. Mm. The question you're asking is the opposite to that. In many ways, have beautiful dreams. (laughs) Number one, try to resolve as many issues in your life as you can. You'll do that with the other dreams. Mm. Write down on a piece of paper before you go to bed at night any problems or issues or worries or concerns you've got, just to sort of say, I'm writing these down on my paper because I don't want to dream about them. I'm going to think about those again in the morning. Mm. That can be one way. But the best way of doing it is to actually open all your senses a lot more during the day. So even if it's just for 10 seconds now and now and then, stop. What can I see? Look at something tiny that you might not normally look at. What can I hear? Listen for something distant. What can I touch or feel that has a different texture? What did I taste today that was different? Can I remember a smell? Can I open a a perfume? Can I have a different smell? So you're actually every now and then for 10 seconds concentrating on all your senses, your dreams, process, your recent experiences. They're going to be going, oh, we've got to process this beautiful views, this lovely smells, this lovely tastes. I wonder why she did that. Let's look at that. And so you'll often find that these dreams are richer in detail in their dreams because I partly because of the nature of my work, I do absorb a lot of detail. I do notice a lot of detail. I have a lot of sensual awareness of what's going on around me. Yeah. And that's why many of my dreams, no matter what they're about, have a lot of detail. In my dreams, I'll I'll stop and look at something and get you know all the textural or sensual detail about it and mm. can wake up with exact colors and feels because that is my luck. That's how I approach my life too. Such good advice. Just stop and smell the roses. Just yes. soak it all in. Just be present and just enjoy the little things and the little moments. And who knows, you might plant yourself a beautiful dream. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's you a winning situation, I reckon. <laughs> Maybe for one of my wrap-up questions, what do you think about what is happening to our mind and our body when we're asleep and we're dreaming? What's, what's happening? So all sorts of things are happening while you're asleep. And we go through five phases of sleep. Funnily enough, they're called one, two, three, four, five. But the fifth one is called REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And it used to be thought that all of our dreaming happened in rapid eye movement sleep. And that's because if you watch someone asleep and you see their eyes moving side to side and you wake them up, they're always dreaming. Wow. So that is true. So it used to be thought that you went through this level one, two, three, four before you got to the dream sleep. We now know, and if you think about it, we all know that if you fall asleep for a quick afternoon nap and it's only five minutes, you can sometimes wake up and say, I was dreaming there. So we do actually dream as well. But otherwise, in those phases one, two, three, four, our sleeping body is doing a lot of amazing things like healing physically, building new cells. Um, giving us emotional rest, forming memories, all sorts of things, all sorts of good stuff is going along when we're dreaming, we're growing physically, if we're still growing, you know, all sorts of amazing stuff. But our dream time is when we're really concentrating on that processing of our experiences 
So it really comes down to updating the mindset. The rest of our sleep might be updating our body, building new cells, building new muscle tissue, building new bones. But none of that is really particularly useful if you haven't got a mind to put that body to work or make it work. Yeah, And that's what's happening in your dreams, processing all that stuff, trying to make sense of your world. Mm, It's like they're working in harmony together, like your mind and your body. It's so magic, even though it's such a, you know, we take it so for granted, sleep and dream, but, you know, when we really have a look under the surface of what's actually happening, like physically, physiologically, mentally, it's it's a whole new world. Yeah, and I want to thank you so much, Jane, for coming along today and sharing all this amazing, amazing knowledge with me and the listeners. Thank you, Adana. Thank you for asking absolutely beautiful questions. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I had a lot of fun and it's been really nice. And I just wanted to ask where people can find you if, you know, they want to learn more about you, your website. Thank you. So um, I've got two websites. One is called janeteresa.com. That's mm-hmm. Teresa without an H. And the you can go there to read the blogs, listen to the podcasts, um, find out how to contact me professionally. And the, uh, the the course, the online learning website that we talked about before is called the Dream Academy. And the address for that is dream-academy-online.com. And if you just prefer to just listen to the podcast, there are currently from the day that we're recording today, um, they're not all out there, but I have actually recorded 261 episodes. So you, know, you can listen to all of those. And they're on all the usual podcast platforms as well as at janeteresa.com. And if you're on the podcast platform, the quickest way is just to search for The Dream Show with Jane Teresa Anderson. Fantastic, Jane. So good. I, I hope that this is inspiring people to go off and learn more about themselves, about their dreams. Yeah, learn some more spells of wisdom from your beautiful podcast. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming and sharing your craft. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Adana, for um, opening to this subject. I know you're interviewing other people and putting a lot of into this um, the, the episodes that you're creating. And I think that's a wonderful gift that you're offering people too. So thank you for your efforts there. Thank you, Jane. It's been wonderful. How cool was that? That was my interview with Jane Teresa, my mentor this year. And it was the first interview that I ever did for this project process. And I'm very grateful to Jane for doing it with me. I'm not sure if you could tell, but I did have some technological problems in the audio department. Uh, I'm not sure what happened in the land of audio, but my sound just didn't come out sounding the best. So if you could excuse that, that would be fantastic. Go and check out Jane on her website. Go and sign up for her course. Support her because she really is wonderful. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next one. Bye.